Hello. Uh, a quick lead into this week's episode. Um, there's a little bit of artifacting on the audio at the last like five minutes of this episode, and I just wanted to give everyone a head up. I think my computer couldn't quite handle processing a two and a half hour episode, which was what this was before editing. So y'all are in for a big one. Um, this is a wonderful time and a very bef- beginner-friendly episode um, because we're going to go talk in a lot more detail about a lot of stuff that some of the new, some of the more entrenched players will know off hat already. So I hope y'all enjoy, and just wanted to make you guys aware of that before heading into the episode. So y'all have fun. Hello, and welcome to Morlocks, a Let's Experiment podcast about finding new homes for the lost and forgotten characters of Marvel Crisis Protocol. I'm your host, Lexa White, and this week I have my co-streaming uh, partner, Kodab Games. How are you doing, Kodab? Hello. Uh, we're doing good. We're doing good. It's uh, it's uh, It's been a busy week, but we made it to the weekend, so let's punch some things. <laughs> Yes, let's roll a lot of dice. Um, so, for those who may not know you, would you mind introducing yourself? Yeah. Uh, so, I'm Codab Games. You can find me over on Twitch at Codab Games. We do board game podcasts or board game streams on Sundays. I've been doing a time travel based uh, stream on Tuesdays. That's actually been temporarily put on hold for school related stuff but uh we'll be picking that up again pretty soon so anybody who wants to come check out uh me fumble my way through games about time travel or have mechanics of time travel or generally mention time travel in a really tangential sort of way come check that out so when are you playing path logic 2 uh it is on my list actually uh, we're currently about halfway through Chrono Trigger, because mm-hmm. I finally broke down and relented to the demands of playing what I think almost everyone considers the quintessential time travel game. And it is it is as good as I remember it being. Like, Chrono Trigger is just a good game. Fair. We can have a different conversation about time travel games, because I think at this point, when I the first game I think of when I hear time travel at this point is Life is Strange. We did play through those. We we actually played through both the first one and the second one, although the second one does not have anything to do with time travel. It and is set in the same universe, so yes. we, we did it. And there's a third one. Just recently I got saw. announced. Yeah, I and they're excited. they're not they're not doing it episodically, which I think I think that means greater movements in like the game development arena away from episodic games which like thank god mm-hmm. because uh yeah i really hate buying episodes of games that's that's awful mm-hmm. but no i i love the first life is strange so much you know on second play what 10 10 years after it originally came out five years something like it, that it it did not land quite as well as i thought it would when I originally played it, because first time I played it, I was like, oh, man, this game is making me feel all the feels. And the second time I'm playing it, I'm like, 
you know, this game is, there's just something a little weird about it. So, I will point you towards Innuendo Studio did a brilliant, brilliant video essay called Superposition, The Genre of Life is Strange. And I think you will find a lot of the things that you are having trouble contextualizing and presenting are answered in that video essay because I find it a really brilliant assessment of that game. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'll have to check that out. Now, I will say we also played the prequel game that came out Before the storm. focused on the uh, friend character. I can't think of her Rachel name. Rachel Lambert right and Chloe. Yes, Chloe. Chloe. I, I think they had a really strong character in Chloe and they, they, they the internet let them know that and then they immediately proceeded to undercut themselves with that game. Yeah. Uh, which uh, would not recommend. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, you can get you can get some great insight into that uh, on Time Travel Tuesdays. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then, of course, you and I have uh, been playing some Arkham Horror uh, Living Card Game from Fantasy mm-hmm. Flight on Sundays with some other friends of ours, and, and just doing uh, real interesting design talk too. Yeah, we're actually both working on some uh, custom content for that game, which uh, I think is actually how you and I originally met. Yes. Was just through those discussions. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're, we're going to be picking that up more, as uh, especially as summer r- comes around and yeah. I get more free time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we're also checking out other people's custom content. And I got to tell you all, the community there has just some really great ideas and anybody who is at all interested in uh arkham horror card game should definitely mm-hmm. jump in on the custom creation scene there because they are really open really accepting really nice and just yeah. they're, they're there to help um and i highly highly recommend if you have uh super complete existential dread Mm-hmm. Uh, which the in the know will know. Uh, the Dark Matter campaign and the Beards Alice in Wonderland campaign are both amazing. I mean, just amazing. And like Alice in Wonderland is a great adaptation of the the novels, and it pulls from really all of Lewis's work because I think they've got like even some of the poems in there. Mm-hmm. And then Dark Matter is just like a completely original work that is actually a sequel to one of the game's uh, campaigns. campaigns. Yeah. It, it, it's amazing. Amazing yeah. writing. Mm-hmm. And like I said, the, the community is just 100% on point with like, here's how these ideas can work. Or I've, I've literally said, I have writer's block guys edit this for me. And they have, come back at me with recommendations that are phenomenal. I need to do that more. Yeah, definitely. Like, just shout out to that whole community. Yeah, um, but... one of these Sundays we need to work on my scenario, not your scenario. <laughs> That's fair. We could definitely we could definitely make some time for that. Uh, yeah. But that also gave you the opportunity to introduce me to Marvel Crisis Protocol, yes. which, just one more quick aside originally talked about on my board gaming podcast called the ascent to board game so shout out to those guys over at the ascent to board games it's an amazing uh, podcast they put a lot of work into it and it's one of the most informational podcasts i have listened to 
Yeah, it, it's less of a board game review podcast and more of a like deep dive into the history of a board gaming theme. So we take something like roll and move games and we go, okay, what was the first example of this type of game? And then we look at just highlights through history and we've gone back to like, you have oh, some, man. you have that one guy who has stuff from like, I don't know where he gets some of his stuff from. So Frank is one of the old hats in the board gaming community. And he has just the most encyclopedic knowledge of board gaming history. And like, he even brings us just some off the wall games that nobody's ever heard of that he read about in a magazine one time. And because Frank is that guy, he has a basement of like wireframe shelves like you'd have out in your garage that are just a, a cataloged library of board games. <laughs> it is pretty amazing. What did you guys do for the Valentine's day special? Oh, we played. I want to say Lisa Frank, but that's that's the uh, that's the woman who designed the Trapper Keepers. Uh, yeah. Barbara Cartland in the '80s released a storytelling choose-your-own-adventure game based on the Barbara Cartland romance novels. And for our Valentine's episode, we played through that game. And we're shocked, shocked, I tell you, at how good it was. <laughs> like This game that had no right to be good pits the players as young ladies who are just ripe to go out into the world and get married, and you basically play your way through a Barbara Cartland novel, and like, uh, Joe, one of, the, one of the other guys on the podcast, like, met a guy... He took her, he, the guy took her, Joe, to Africa and like Joe killed him or like shot him with a gun or something. Like it was insane. It was great. It was great. Welcome to the deep cuts you get on that podcast. <laughs> yeah. Like the Barbara Cartland choose your own adventure romance board game. There you go. However, all of that <laughs> taking just the long way around uh, to get back to Marvel Crisis Protocol. So y you introduced me to this game um, after having heard about it on the podcast. Like, I had not really even considered this game as we were discussing it on the podcast, just mostly because it, it was um, it fe felt very reminiscent of other um Skirmish small games? team skirmish games mainly one of my friends uh brian from the ascent of board games has uh really gotten into malifaux and so i came at this after uh bouncing off of warhammer 40k um not hard to do like i i still have my tau army they are painted like i've got a 40k army and am ready to play at any time However, uh, none of my friends are at that point. Uh, so mm -hmm. really just bouncing off of that game, which I think I'm now three, four editions behind at this point. Um, 
Brian picked up Malifaux. I've got a couple of Malifaux teams. Um, again, though, my big problem is I'm just not good at it. I'm really not. That that short-term strategy game is just not where my brain is. And we're going to talk about that a little bit today because it actually impacts a lot of the decisions that I make when putting together rosters. Um, but I've I've now played, what, two games of Crisis Protocol, uh, I think. So. I think four. Uh, I know we, we did played the, the first game. We did the intro game. Yeah. We've done at least two streamed games. And okay, I so thought we it, did another unstreamed game. I don't think we have. So it's either three or four. So yeah. when I say that I'm coming this to this game as, as a noob, like I am, I am a fresh-eyed babe here. Mm-hmm. In fact, just before the stream, I was going back over the crisis cards just trying to get them stuck in my brain of like oh god which one is which so mm-hmm. this this is gonna be this is gonna be one for the new players i think yeah this is this will be a little bit of a slower paced and probably a longer episode in general because i think because we're going to sit down and like talk through this in a lot more detail and not going and like jumping and like uh, uh, glossing over some of the kind of big ideas that a lot of the more entrenched players will know just offhand. And like I, I think, and here's here's my hope. I'm gonna make a prediction for this episode that for your experienced players who who know the talk and know the strategies, like I think y'all are gonna be seeing me discover some of those like live on camera. So this is this is a reaction video. Be a podcast. <laughs> oh, this like, is going to be fun. What? With what? It's going to be great. It's going to be great. So, yes. Um. So, as this tradition, as someone, well, you do have a podcast, but not a Marvel Crisis Protocol podcast. So, I'm going to ask you the question anyway. What character that isn't in Marvel Crisis Protocol do you want to see in Marvel Crisis Protocol? Ooh, that is a good question. So, hmm. You know, I listened to your podcast. Mm-hmm. I've, I've, I've almost got up, and I was prepared for this question. And originally, I was going to say something like, I want to see some of the, the alternate Hulks, like Mr. Fix-It or Red Hulk. But I think the actually, the more interesting thing that I would like to see are some of those, like, far-reaching, like, cross uh promotional things that used to be in comics because like and i just had another idea that i'm gonna bring up to you as well but i think like in the 90s didn't they do a lot of stuff like the x-men meet the power rangers or teenage mutant ninja turtles or am i thinking more like uh dc i don't know i was very very young and not into comics yet i i want to say they do but i want to see something like that but and and literally, as I was saying this out loud, you know who I want to see? Hmm. Howard the Duck. Oh, buddy, that would be a cut, <laughs> wouldn't it? <laughs> it could be great. It could be great. Yeah. Like, think about it. They could do like a Howard and who who did they pair him with in the movies? The, the collector. collector. Yeah. Like, there's a whole thing there. That's that's my answer. That's what I'm going with. Very fair. 
Um, but I mean, he, he knows Kung Fu, don't you know? Duck Fu? Yeah. God, it's been a minute since I've seen that movie. <laughs> I have never seen that movie, thank God. <laughs> it's so terrible. It is, it is such a product of its time. <laughs> Though, uh, from what I am hearing, I understand that you support my campaign for there to be a Marvel vs. Capcom expansion to this game. Oh my god, yes! Like, Mega Man, oh my god, it would be amazing. We could have Tron Bon. Oh, I'm so in. Just like Ryu and Ken, too. Ah, oh, it would be, ah, oh, yes. There we go. Final answer. Marvel versus Capcom, crossover edition. It could be the next, like, big core set, right? Mm-hmm. Ah, oh. Amazing. Amazing. So you, um, getting back on track. Uh, which... well, I, I mean, what? We've only been here for 45 minutes. This is great. This is great. <laughs> only 35 of it recorded, and I think 15 is turning into a bonus episode, but we'll see how that comes out. I think I think we could just do the whole episode as this. <laughs> Happy April Fools, everybody. <laughs> I will be honest with the original plan. But we're being a little bit more sincere than that. I, I I want to actually, I want to get this this team making process down pat because I I think at this point in my Marvel Crisis Protocol career, I still don't have a great grasp of like what am I looking for when putting together a team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so in that way, and because we have a very new player. Um, he left the the character choice up to me. Um, but we had a little bit of a conversation. We decided we actually wanted to choose one of the more popular characters, something that a, a new player coming in and looking at a big popular list will see and go like, okay, I can work with that. And so we're going to be talking about Shuri this episode, who's... Well, no longer the top of the heap is definitely still a popular character in the Marvel Crisis Protocol competitive scene. Um, so, for those who don't know, Shuri is a three-cast character in the Wakanda and A-Force affiliations, though I don't know if we're going to play on either of those. We'll talk it out. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. So, threat values. Let's, let's start there. Um, threat values are what you use to construct your roster for when you go into battle, basically. Um, different scenarios, or as they're called in this game, crises, have different point values, and once you've decided on a point value, you choose members from your roster, which is what we're creating now, to make a squad. And the members in the squad have to add up to the crisis value or less. Um, uh, very notably... Travis Foss in the most recent top four of the Marvel Crisis Protocol TTS League played a point under in his top four game and managed to win. Hmm. So it's it's not a requirement to play at exactly the point value, but it is generally that is a more complex and deliberate move, I've found. Yeah, I mean that definitely feels like if if you don't you you're leaving you're leaving something behind that you're using a you're losing a tool in essence yeah. that you can use to win. So you like, I'd say for a new player, always, always aim to hit that mark. I, I think the interesting thing about 
basing our deck off of sure or uh, roster off of Shuri though is that she's three points so <laughs> she's not the most point intensive person to build a roster off of yes um she is very flexible and she can be splashed easily into other affiliations where she is not affiliated and that's mm-hmm. the other big part of creating a roster is you want to be Generally, you want to play one or two affiliations. There are a couple of rosters, including the one we built last week, that can go up to three. But that makes your list building fairly tight, so I don't think we're going to go there quite yet. Um, and to be affiliated, when you create your squad that equals up to the point total of the mission, you want more than half of the models on table to be of the same affiliation, and then you get a bonus for being affiliated. So, does that make sense? Yes. And I think that's interesting because all of that to say is kind of leaning me towards looking at these uh, crisis cards. Now, this is going to be the meat, I think, of where both your your deck and your... Uh, I'm going to keep saying deck, y'all. Just know that whenever I say deck from this point forward, I'm, I'm talking about our, our roster... Mm-hmm. Uh, because those those crises both determine the point value of the characters you're taking. Also, it kind of dictates the strategy that you're going to be looking for. Yeah. And I think as a new player, that is where I struggle the most. Because when looking at character cards, I can pretty clearly see, like, <clears throat> just looking at Shuri, for example. She has two powers that generate additional uh energy just from using them which both the the head of wakanda r&d and panther gauntlets just if you if you roll a skull you get a power if you after you take use power panther gauntlets you get a power she's not gonna have power energy or energy problems therefore she can go into character or uh deck bill Egypt, I'm so sorry. It's gonna be a nightmare to edit. No, no, I'm easily... leaving. I am leaving this in. It is important awesome. for people to know the folly of of learning roster building. Yes, yeah, so I mean, she could very easily fit into a group of characters that is not going to, or that is going to be a much higher energy requirements than some of the decks that I've looked at previously. Mm-hmm. Uh, my biggest problem, though, is just, and I've said this before on our streams, in a game about scoring victory points, I need to do more focus on scoring victory points. What? So I think... So, Go ahead. this is why I specifically chose Shuri. Because mm-hmm. you like to roll dice. I do. And Shuri has two very important things for rolling dice. One, her basic attack automatically pushes doing the attack. So you can roll dice and still get a scenario effect off of it. Yeah, with with no no contingency on those dice, which I think is great. Yeah. Um uh it does limit the maximum damage that attack can do is one. It reduces all damage to a to one, basically. But you get that push and it's not requirement on you do rolling well or your opponent being small, which is different than other characters. Oh, it doesn't. It just pushes everyone short away from you. Yes. 
I did not notice that. Mm -hmm. And the other thing I like about her and why I brought it up is you like to roll dice. She allows you to re-roll dice, which helps to fix and like straighten out when your dice go bad. Mm -hmm. So her upgrade ability, just within four of her, when another character is rolling attack or defense, bend up to three of Shuri's uh, energy to re-roll those dice. Mm -hmm. Re-roll that many dice. Yeah. Like, that's great. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's, I thought that would be a good point where we can, we can still play in your, into your want to roll dice, but also start to push you kind of to, to start making you think about scenario in that regard too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just pro tip for anybody who's ever going to play me a game of crisis protocol i am the kind of player that when you lay a trap for me to go chasing after one of your characters like 90 percent of the time i'm going to fall right into that trap yeah but now we want to talk about who do we want to roll dice with because i think we are talking about you as a player you want to roll dice um yeah and i mean at like at this point, I I always kind of want to lean towards those uh, affiliation of uh, bonuses, just because as a newbie, I have not yet quite grasped the cross affiliation uh, bonuses because there is a a lot there. Mm-hmm. Uh, like the tactics cards are are vastly overwhelming, um, but just looking at the A force, like Shuri has. What is this? Three, six, nine, thirteen characters in the A Force affiliation. Um, not all. Uh, I don't know if all of them are out because you're looking at the character card on TTS, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. So it's got like She Hulk through Black Cat. Yeah, Black Cat is not out yet. She we we've just seen her model recently. Ooh. Yeah. One second. I am doing something because I do have a suggestion, but it is going to be weird okay I'm, I'm down for weird so I know you like to roll dice so oh. like yeah who, who is the the biggest rolly dicey character we can get in here so how about not a big but a lot of a lot of small rolly diceys Ooh, okay um, uh, that would make sense right because then you can reuse upgrades uh, on a character, right? Is is upgrades on Shuri just a once per roll, or is it a once per turn? So it's it's uh, once per roll because you can never benefit from the same effect to re-roll or add dice more than once per roll. Mm, right, right. Uh, so yeah, that would that would make a lot of sense then having somebody who throws a bunch of small packets of dice because then you are spreading out that that upgrade stability over multiple more effective attacks i like this where where are we going with this so also um and this is the thing that uh i think it was travis again from the strike better podcast brought up where you instead of rolling if you're doing a bunch of small attacks you can wait for your opponent to whiff on dice and then spend your rerolls so make their make their whiff that much more painful. Exactly. 
Um, and so if you go to the Discord channel quickly, mm-hmm. uh, we got, as of yesterday, maybe the day before, we got a new affiliation leader who plays with an older affiliation, but I think might be a fun place to put Shuri. Ooh, so we've got Sin. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm... I'm, I'm... I'm having to, to zoom in on some of this because it's uh, it's so not. If you click uh, open original at the bottom, if you click on the picture, it'll bring it up bigger, and then if you press open original, it will bring it up yeah, even bigger. There we go. Excellent. Um, I will say the the misprint on this card: no, her automatic pistols don't cost four power. So just ignore that. Oh jeez, yeah, <laughs> good catch. Um, but she is interesting because she allows you to play scenario. Um, so she uh. Two major things for her. One, she has her automatic pistols, which we're expecting to be zero. We're not 100% sure yet, because when the space between when they showed off with the misprint and whenever they the actual card gets put out, we're guessing it's going to be a zero cost, considering all the other attacks named automatic pistol have been a zero cost attack. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and for a, a three range and and four, four dice, zero makes sense. Yes. Um, and then after the attack resolves, it gains one power, and then it has the rapid fire keyword, which means immediately after that attack resolves, you can make another of that same attack again at no additional cost. But that one does not benefit from the rapid fire rule. So you get two attacks for one attack action. Mm-hmm. Both of which have four dice. Yes. Which are two small packets of dice that work really well to get that that work really well when we're trying to instigate spiking off of um, Shuri. Um, and then we have Red Mayhem, which is her, her leadership ability. Um, which is doing the cleanup phase after scoring VP. So, mm-hmm. so we'll score VP and then before any like scenario effects that happen in the cleanup phase, we do this. So you roll a dice for each objective token controlled by an ally character. If the result is a crit, wild, or hit, you push the en- uh, each enemy character contesting the objective token away from the objective. Short. Each enemy. Like, each enemy. That's It's not even per enemy. It is all enemies that are contested, which means in the next round, you, you've got control unless they waste that action to move back in. Yes. So it, it's, it's per objective token. So you may push them all off of one objective token, but whiff on another objective token. That is some crazy control right there. Yeah. Um, it is luck-based, but you don't mind rolling dice, so let's go for it. And just to make sure, because I think, I think I know the answer to this, but we said that Shuri's uh, upgrades is only for attack and defense, so you could not re-roll no. that. Yeah, no, okay. we cannot re-roll this. Um, but the other one is roll a die for each enemy character holding an asset token, and that one is very specific there, within two of an ally character. If the result is a quit, crit, wild, or hit, the enemy character drops one asset token of your choice. Okay, so that's going to include uh, extra, extract or extracts like... Um... What is it? Is the senator an asset? How do I tell if the, they are assets? So, oh, I see. So it's, uh, you know, celestial hammers are parentheses assets rather yes. than targets of opportunity. Got it. So yes. then that would that would mean that it, when we're looking at the uh, crises, we're going to be 
prioritizing things like the Wakanda herbs or the uh, terrorized citizens. No, citizens are a citizens token. Am oh, the celestial hammers, right? Yeah, celestial Which hammers. Is terrorized cities. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then the third, so struggle for the cube mm-hmm. and uh, Montesi formula also included in that. Yeah. And so that would also give us a direction on what we want to be doing with our um, extracts. Okay. And allow, so then, and go then ahead. give us some direction from there to go to to play on. Um. So I think that would that could be an interesting direction if you want to follow down that rabbit hole. And just because I, I don't know that we said it, that would mean that we're leaning towards the Cabal affiliation? Yes. Okay. So that includes, like, Zemo and Ultron, Crossbones, Killmonger, Loki and MODOK. And a lot more. Ooh. Um, more? So, for those who don't know, if you go to the Atomic Mass Games website, um, because... Uh, Cabal is one of the affiliations printed in the core box. And since the core box, we have a lot of characters that have come out and been added to that affiliation. And thus there is a document under the Organized Play tab of Atomic Mass Games called uh, the Affiliation List. And if you click on that, it will pull it up and it will show you who all is currently in that affiliation. And this gets updated with each release. So it is a constantly updating and evolving list. So the current Cabal list, are you ready? I'm ready. Red Skull, Baron Zemo, Bullseye, Crossbones, Enchantress, Killmonger, Kingpin, Loki, God of Mischief, Magneto, Modok, Mystique, Sabretooth, and Ultron. And then, of course, Sin who is not officially out yet, but we have her card, so we have her information, and it's very ob- obvious that she's a Cabal member, considering she's a secondary leader for them. Yes, yes. Is it is it weird that Ultron is a Cabal member? Like, maybe I'm, maybe I'm not thinking of the right enemies for the Cabal. So the Cabal, they don't, they play a little fast and loose with who's in what, um, right. just as much for thematic sense, not... As much for somatic reasoning, they, they've kind of crunched Hydra into the Cabal. Okay, okay, good. That, that, that's what I was like, is that is this just Hydra? Like, what's going on here? Yeah, so, okay. so the Cabal is a group of supervillains who all teamed up to be, like, world domination together. Right. That also features Red Skull, um, that I think classically features Red Skull and Ultron and someone else in there. Um, but it's... it's um, but they've also kind of squished in uh, just Hydra as a faction. Mm-hmm. Like this, this just gives us so many options to, to look at. And like, as of our third game, I do love me some Sabretooth. Like I, I had so much fun with Sabretooth just as a revenge stri- striker. Like that was just a fun character to play with. Yeah. Um, and it keeps, and that character sticks on an objective point so, so well. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. As well as... Um, so, let's let's dig in for a second. So, Sabretooth well, has... 
hang, hang on, because before we get to Sabretooth, I do want to point out one other thing on Sin that's kind of caught my eye mm -hmm. that I also might want to dig in is that she's got an ability called Partners in Crime. Yes. Which, for those of y'all who are not familiar with it, uh, at the end of Sin's activation, if you are within four of Crossbones, uh, allied Crossbones, at free energy, zero energy cost, activate crossbones. Yeah. So amazing. Like two turns? Yes, please. So it's actually all one contiguous turn. It's two activations. So if you have any effects that are once put turn, you can't use it on both characters. That is an important rules uh, okay, distinction sure. to think of. Uh, okay. To remember, but it is definitely a good ability. Um, and we can definitely get crossbones in this list just for the the uh, shared activations. Um, I am like, why why wouldn't you? Crossbones is so. Let's let's talk about crossbones, and then I want to revisit Sabretooth, I think. Yeah. So I recently did an episode on crossbones. So to to talk about him again, he's very good at physical, but kind of weak at mental and uh, energy defenses. He's a slow mover. But he has this ability called aggressive on him, where whenever he takes damage from an attack, he may advance short towards the enemy. Which means once he gets onto a point, he's really, really pesky to get off of a point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, he's, he's with, uh, endured to pain, endured to pain, I mean, he's, he's a tank. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've even experienced the struggles of trying to kill a crossbones when playing against you, where I'm just like, why will he not die? What what the hell? Yeah. Um Yeah. I, I think just being able to get a interrupted turn with crossbones could lead to such great plays. Mm -hmm. Like we've definitely got a a rude control deck go or a team going on here. Yeah. And and crossbones does have a throw on him. It's a little inconsistent as it's only, it's a wild off of five dice, but we do have Shuri here to give him rerolls. Yeah, and I mean, just to go back to our kind of overarching premise of like, hey, we're just going to throw a bunch of small packets of dice, like strike and overpower are both five dice attacks. Mm -hmm. um, but notably, um, with the Haymaker ability, he can bring those both up to uh, eight dice attacks. Hmm. So this is going to be useful for hmm, when you need to land that big hit on your enemies. Yeah. Like this is for getting rid of the tanks of the other team. It mm -hmm. seems like. Yeah. Um. And I also just his tankiness plus his ability to stick to a point. I think is very good. For what we're looking at. I like it. Mm -hmm. And much in the so. same vein, tanky, hard to get off of a point, can hit like a Mack truck when we want him to, we have Sabretooth. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So Sabretooth is, has the aggressive keyword as well, as well as a reactive ability called Untamed Force, where he can pay two power to make a strike attack against someone who attacked him. And of note, both Untamed Force and Aggressive have the same timing window, so you get to choose which order they resolve it. So you can do the aggressive movement 
before doing the attack to get into range of the attack, or if you're already within range of the attack but kind of want to go past the character that you're attacking, you can attack first and then move. Well, and and at that point, you can also use aggressive uh, post-attack to move into range of another uh, target. Uh, target. Yeah. Uh, especially useful if your enemy, much like Shuri, has just a, a free push. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, it means you have to use a superpower throw to get him off of a point. And unlike Crossbones, uh, Sabertooth is size 3, so there's a, there's a much reduced pool of abilities that actually affect him. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. All right. Updating my app real quick. So, so far it looks like we've got Shuri, Crossbones, Sabertooth. Just Crossbones and Sabertooth are going to be our... our Sticking to our our targets, mm-hmm. and then of course uh, we, we have Sin, who we talked about, who is it? Sin, and there's our affiliate leader. Yep, uh, I don't think she's in the app yet, so we'll just have to leave an empty spot for her. We'll we'll leave the light on. Mm-hmm. Um, another character I want to bring up who also does a very similar thing with a bunch of small packets of dice is Mystique. Yes, so Mystique also has her pistols. So um, going back to that rapid rapid fire ability right there. I mean, as soon as she gets that attack, she gets a free attack with a pistol attack. So she's a little Um, bit different than Sin in the fact that she has to roll a hit in order to activate the rapid fire ability. Oh, okay. So Sin, yeah, I see that now. Sin's is just a free rapid fire. Okay. Yes. But otherwise, she's basically the same in that regard. She also has stealth, which makes her, uh, gives you a level of tankiness in a way because you can't be hit from far off attacks. Um, but also, she has martial artist where on physical or energy attacks, when she's within range two, she gets to add blanks to her defense roll, which actually makes her surprisingly mean, means your opponent has to play around it if they really want to consistently kill her. Yeah, um, and I think just as a defensive character, that shapeshifter and stealth abilities are going to, much like um, Sabretooth and Crossbones, just make her a giant pain in the ass to get off of a target. Yeah. I like it. So, interestingly, that also gives us a affiliate leader into the Brotherhood. Yes, we could uh, definitely dual affiliation. I don't know if that's the direction you... I don't know if you want to get that complicated right out of the gate. That's fair, but just going back to what you were stating earlier, kind of thinking about, hey, roster leaning towards two affiliations. Does that mean then with Mystique and Sin that we're looking at Cabal and Brotherhood? And of course, poor Shuri here just finds herself surrounded by the villains of Marvel. I love it. Yeah, she has her reason for working with them. You know, the funny thing about this game, and and again, I, I as a as a game player, will one hundred percent of the time go theme over mechanics. Like it is a one of my biggest struggles with making suboptimal uh, builds in games. I'm like, but it makes so much thematic sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the sad thing is, is that in the history that is Marvel Comics, I 
guarantee you somebody can find a story plot where Mystique, Sabretooth, Crossbones, Sin, and Shuri are all working together. I love it. Yeah, and more likely than not, as soon as the mission is over, Shuri betrays them all and steals the thing. I mean, obviously. <laughs> I mean, you, you gotta you gotta play the players. And yeah. Shuri is definitely smart enough to be like, I've got my own agenda here. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, we have currently four Cabal members. Um, we can mm-hmm. definitely get a fifth in there, or we can start looking outside of the Cabal, or looking at that splash for uh, the Brotherhood. Um, is there a direction you want to jump on? Well, so, it seems to me right now, like, let's also look at our cost here, because Sabretooth is also our highest-costing character in the roster so far mm-hmm. at four. Yeah. I mean, we we've got... We've got a cheap list so far. Which means we can go wide. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as uh, crises, though, we also have a team that is all about controlling those points. Yeah. So I guess the question is at this point, if we've got three sticky characters with a support character in Shuri... Are we looking at going more support? Are we looking at diversifying our strategies so that we can adapt to enemy crises? Mm-hmm. Like, what, because, what would be that next step? Yeah, and and a big point of note for new players is you never have full control of the crisis. You are choosing, uh, you play a secure and an extract in every game, and you choose one and your opponent chooses the other. And there's a formula for deciding who gets to choose what and who gets to choose the point value between the two scenarios and stuff. Um, So you are never fully in control of what the scenario play actually ends up being. Yeah, and I I think just to build on that, it's, uh, it's dangerous to put all your eggs in one basket, so to say. Just because at this point, if we were to double down on securing points and sticking to... Um, what is it? Secure missions that are all about standing on a flag and capturing it for the most part. I think that's going to leave us a little lacking in the extract, which is usually go get a thing and bring it back or pick it up and carry it. Yeah. Um, Just to give some gross generalizations to those two tactics going on there well let's let's look at those four extracts we talked about earlier um Mm -hmm. that we were looking at um i think we like hammers um or otherwise known as field grips of the world as worthy terrorized cities it's a d map which means there's it's it's a diamond map um Mm -hmm. if you click on the card it will flip over and show you the layout of the map um at least on the assemble app it does um, yes. But it sets down four celestial hammers, and each one of them adds a dice to every attack roll you do. But also, mm-hmm. each character carrying one must pay one additional power when using a team tactics card for each celestial for each celestial hammer they are holding. Um, which ends up be making interesting decision making in regards to what team tactics cards you end up playing and whatnot. But it does, 
it gives us extra dice. And I don't and since we're looking we have at least two, and I'm going to suggest a third attacker who uses action compression rather than inherently large dice pools for their attacks, I think we'll get more power out of having a hammer on those characters than our opponents necessarily will have on having a hammer on their characters who are already rolling six or seven dice. Well, and just going back to the discussion we had on Sin and Mystique, I mean, that's going to make both of their pistol attacks a four. And uh, then five. on top of that, they get, uh, yes, five. Uh, so it's going to make both of their pistol attacks a five. And then on top of that, we've got the rapid fire ability, which means instead of throwing two packets four, we're throwing two packets of five. Ten dice on a single attack action is pretty gross. And with the way that Marvel Crisis Protocol dice are, where um, you have criticals that add more dice to your pool, we're also giving more chances to roll those criticals. I think that's... I feel like that is definitely worth that one one energy tax. Not to mention, we've already got Shuri, who is not going to have energy issues. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I, yeah. I feel like maybe at that point, depending on what else we look at here, maybe we start leaning towards uh, other... I don't want to say necessarily low energy cost, but like... Maybe even a support that can distribute energy? That's uh, definitely a thing, right? Yes, that would definitely be a possible direction, but you're thinking of, of what we refer to as power batteries. Okay. Uh, characters who can um, build up a lot of power themselves and don't necessarily use it all and thus can spend it on things like Team Tactics cards very easily. Right. I don't know if that's necessarily, but that that's when I when I think about the strategy that's involved there, that's kind of what I lean towards. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's take a look at our other one options so here. Mm-hmm. So the uh, other uh, the other ones that we were talking about, we talked about mystical Wakandan orb, um, which is one of the more interesting um, scenarios in the game because it's it's an A scenario. So you have one point, uh, it. it if you split the map into four quadrants, we have two kitty quarter quadrants, both with one. Each quadrant has a pickup and a uh, secure point. And you have to go to your opponent's side and pick up that one and then get back to your side and sit on the secure point with that specific herb from your opponent's side. And then you get v- big VP scores from that. Of note, yes. though. This is a, a classic uh, uh pickup and delivery or like suitcase situation going on where you have to go get the thing, go get the MacGuffin and bring it back. Yes. But of note, the MacGuffin gives us one extra dice on physical attacks, which is what we are using with our pistol shots. So Mm -hmm, we mm -hmm. can use it for the same effect with a different downside of only having one movement a turn, one move action a turn. Well, and I'll point out, everyone on our list, except for Shuri herself, actually is using fist-based attacks. So, yeah. I mean, even if we had uh, one of our bruisers end up with the herb for some reason, like, mm-hmm. it's, it's, we're still getting something out of it. Yeah, and we cause so much more disruption to their herb um, with Sin's ability, because we can place it two away, which means they have to go pick it up 
and then they're stuck there because they can't move a second time because they only moved to have to go pick it up. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So I, I definitely I'm think kinda, I'm kind of I'm kind of digging that one. Mm-hmm. And then the last two we were talking about were struggle for the cube and Montesi formula. So struggle for the cube, there are five cubes, so a lot of opportunities for extracts. Um, mm-hmm. Each one is worth one, and then during the power phase, uh, it deals you a damage and gives you a power. I don't think we're hurting for power. We have a lot of characters with flat builders, so we're having very consistent power gain. So I don't know if we want the extra power, especially at the trade-off for the damage we're going to be taking. I agree, uh, considering if... Automatic pistols is a zero cost ability that gives, I mean, at this point, our most expensive power are going to be the f- savage predation on Sabretooth and mm-hmm. the make it personal on Sin. Uh, I guess Sonic Crush is in there as well. Although, with the strategies that we've going so far, if Shuri is having to use Sonic Crush, something has gone horribly awry. Um, Which, the first thing out the window is the plan, let's be honest with ourselves. Fair, fair. I mean, I'm going to be eating those words when Sonic Crush turns into the VIP of the game that I'm in. But, you know. <laughs> um, I mean, other than that, I I honestly think that Sin is going to be the most energy-hungry character that we've got. Maybe Sabretooth with No Mercy and Untamed Force. Mm-hmm. Um, but Sin is also exceptionally squishy on a healthy side with only 4 HP. Mm-hmm. So taking that damage to get the extra energy does not really seem worth it. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, we have Montesi Formula, which is a slower extract because there are only three of them and they're placed right down the middle of this board. Um, and each character can only hold one spellbook, which means we... Um, there is an inherent issue where if someone is, say, holding multiple hammers and you get the the hit wild or crit on the red mayhem uh, uh, during the cleanup phase, they only drop one of their assets, not all of their assets. Mm-hmm. So that is a thing of note about that ability. Um, However, the Montesi formula does give us the spellbook Mystic Beam attack, which... Yes. As it stands, does give us a little bit of variation in attacking our our opponent's defenses because we are we are quite physical attack heavy at the moment. Yes. I could very easily seeing this whole team falling apart with a high physical defense opponent. Mm-hmm. But also of note uh, that uh, the Montesi spellbooks. Each put each individual character can only hold one. Mm-hmm. So uh, that also means that a red mayhem will always take all objective tokens off of a character that it successfully rolls against. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I like of those four that we've discussed. I think it's actually the Wakandan herbs that I I like the best. Mm-hmm. But we we put three of them in. And so I think our best three would be Worthy, Terrorized City, Wakanda Herb, and the Montesi formula as, as our suite. Yes. I like it. So yeah. Um, so that would be our extracts. Now let's talk about secures. And secures are going to be a lot more interesting. 
we can play on super clumped up scenarios and hope for the big pushes off of it, or we can play out on super white scenarios and get little small advantages by running the dice math. And because hit wild and crit is about is half the dice, so you have a fifty-fifty shot on each roll to get the desired effect. So we could play on white scenarios and just maximize the amount of times we're rolling the dice for statistical probability, or we can play really condensed scenarios and hope for the high rolls. I mean, at this point, we want to throw as many dice as possible, right? Because we want to maximize on the rolls that our opponent fails. Yeah. So what does that, what does that give us as far as extracts? So, um, uh, for secures, you mean? Oh, yes, for secures. So, the one, first one I want to point out is, is Riot Spark over Extremist 3.0. Um, it is a four, it's a D map, so it's that big diamond map like we have with the hammers. But these are secures, <laughs> and you can spend a power to remove a damage with, with these secures. So, so it's remove a damage from non-dazed characters within range two of the consoles. From okay. a non-dazed character within two of the console. Yes. So you can. So one character can spend a power and heal another character on your team. Um, and since we we are a team with very consistent power generation, we know exactly when we'll be able to use this and when we'll not. And I think we'll have the power to use it constantly. Well, and the nice thing about that is it also gives our Shuri, who is primarily rolling support here in an ideal situation, mm-hmm. just one more functionality to spend her, her energy on. Yeah. So I think that is I think that is a good option for us, and I think that is a priority option. That also does help us with any sort of course correction should we... Uh, flub a defense role with Sin, who, yeah. as previously mentioned, at a four health is super squishy. Mm-hmm. She does go Ooh. up to six health on her backside, which is a little bit tankier and hits her in the point where she probably won't die for most basic builder attacks, but you can still get busted out. This is a swingy, I, yeah. dicey game. Just like just one bad roll on on her front side though, and she is going to go down. Mm-hmm. So then we have a couple options. Um, if we want to play a condensed scenario, we could play Demons Downtown, uh, which is three locations up the middle. Each one is worth one point, so it would be a slower game. Which I don't know if that's up our alley or not. I don't know if we want to be a slow team or a fast team right now. Um, I think that's something that we will figure out with testing and playing of the list rather than just theory crafting. Does that make sense? Does. Uh, so this is the one that when you are within, you get incinerate. And just to remind myself, removes incinerate removes one die from defensive rolls. So yeah. uh, that is... That is a terrifying prospect, having just literally discussed one bad roll with Sin's defense dice is going to take her out real quick. So, yeah. Uh, I mean, that one is high risk, high reward. Yeah, it would be I very- think it is. 
I think it is good to have that though, because that's going to make us that's going to make us all the punch. Mm-hmm. The other op- another option, um, is we have the the other down the middle option of Gamma Wave sweeps across the Midwest, which is three points. But instead of each one being one, it's the one closest to your board edge is one, the one in the middle is worth two points, and the one at the other end of the board from your deployment zone is worth three. So it can be a very, very high-scoring scenario. Mm-hmm. Um, but leads to a lot of aggressive plays because you want to get on that back point. Yeah, well, and I think this one is actually a good choice for us because we want to be on those targets. We we want to put both Crossbones, Sabretooth, and even Mystique are all really good at holding a point. Mm-hmm. And with the cleanup phase damage from Gamma Waves, so anyone not within a range of two of the shelter uh, suffers damage, like, seems real good. End of note. Ooh, this is something I have re- I've just realized. So, uh, the short movement tool is longer than the range two movement uh, tool. So, and because of the order of operations, uh, since it's during the cleanup phase after scoring VP, which is before any card effects happen during the cleanup phase. Um, there's a diagram about this somewhere. I don't remember where. It's probably on the website somewhere. But so this, so uh, if you roll the successes, you can push them in a way that they get outside of range two before the damage check happens. <laughs> that is rude. Yeah. Oh, that pairs so well with Shuri's uh, Panther Gauntlets, though, because it's got that free short push in there. Yes. Um, And it's range five, so you can be sitting on the back point and affect the, the middle point really easily. I love ooh, I love it. I love it. I think that I think that is a definite inclusion here. Mm-hmm. And then the last one I want to bring up is the infinity formula goes missing. It's a B type scenario, which is a square in the middle of the board, basically. Breaks it up into two columns. Each one is a serum canister that counts for one BP. And then during the power phase, contesting characters gain one power. Of note, the power phase is at the beginning of the turn, after the cleanup phase happens, but before they get a chance to move any of their characters. So if we get that success, we can push them off of a point and get the power for ourselves, but not allow our opponent to gain those pow- that power using the Red Mayhem or Shuri's Panther Gauntlets. Man, both of those make Red Mayhem just insanely powerful. Mm-hmm. Again, it is a 50-50 chance, so it's not a guaranteed power. Yeah, but even still, just per per point. So we'd have four rolls here yeah. to push our enemies out of the the scoring area before they gain that power. Like, I think that is another definite inclusion here. Cool. So that, that gives us all of our crises, so we can then build from there. So it looks like we'll be playing Worthy, Wakandan Herb, and the Montesi formula as our extracts. And then our secures will be Riot Spark over Extremist 3.0, Gamma Wave sweeps across the Midwest, and Infinity Formula goes missing. And I'm just, I'm 
quickly taking a look through the others just to see if anything else jumps out at me. But I think those are all really solid options for this. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, now that we've gotten the kind of core core five interactions among our characters, having now gone and looked at what those crises are kind of gives us our guide for, hey, what what's the rest of our roster going to look like? Yeah, exactly. Which, again... Just from a new player standpoint, that is always that transition point that I struggle with of like, when do I start considering each of the components for my build? Yeah. And I'll point out, we haven't even gotten to the tactics yet, which just add so much more variability. Like any any player who's interested in getting into this game, there's a lot of material here for you to really sink your teeth in which i think is one of the reasons this game is is so great yeah um so i think we want another person who's exceptionally mobile so we can reach those back points to attempt to force our opponents off of them with the red mayhem ability Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um just to make sure we've got now four cabalas so we, we've we've secured our at least half characters going cabal if that's the direction we want to take it right yes okay um though i do have another cabal member to suggest which is mm. baron zemo okay so, so ba- we've got a three cost and i think the the i think i know why is because he's got both the long movement range as well as his built-in charge ability. Is that what you're thinking? That is all on the table, but there's more reasons than just that. Okay. Um, it's also he has his strategic genius ability, which this character and allied characters within two may reroll one dice on the attack or defense rolls. So you give additional rerolls into this team. For wow, free. That's a that's a free ability. Yeah, I like it. Just by standing near him. Um and he has his steel rush attack, which is is kind of the opposite of a charge where he makes an attack and then can move medium. And that's gonna be at a two power cost. So going back to our power game, he's all or energy game, he's also got a just I mean he is twos across the board here. Mm-hmm. I I dig it. I dig it. And he he gives us the ability to have a twelve point cabal core going four wide for the affiliation, mm-hmm. which means we can easily make six wide on seventeen. Uh, right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, we just add a three and a four, and we're at six wide at seventeen. Actually, at 16, we can go six wide with uh, just by adding another uh, another three and show. So we can go wide at lower point values than our opponents just because we have threes across the board so consistently. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, at this point, and I, I'm not sure that there's a character that's going to be able to fit within this roster and also kind of cover for one of our 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 roster's weaknesses so far we are really focusing on that physical attack like with 
one, two, three, five characters who are all physical based. Uh, at this point, I'm a little concerned with our ability to actually overcome just somebody saying, all right, cool. I'm going to bring people like uh, that are all for up physical defense. Mm-hmm. So we do have a couple options. Uh, one of our options is that we have the in-affiliation powerhouse for Costa of Enchantress. Okay. Who has that energy beam attack and a mystic spender. Okay. Um, so, I've not actually looked at the Enchantress yet. Let's okay. see what we've got here. So we've got a four cost her. power. Yeah. So, I really like it. Yeah, so she's four threat. Six health. She's a two five uh two two five. Which we are defensive stat line right. Yeah. Uh, but when we go down to the enchanting, uh when an enemy character targets this character with an attack, it may use its mystic defense regardless of the attack type unless the attacking character pays two. Ooh, okay. So it's a uh, attacks on your enemy's energy. Mm-hmm. To not have Enchantress roll five dice on defense. Yes. I like it. And then, She also gains an additional power just for being an Asgardian. Yep, and then she I has like Siren's that. Call, which is a two-cost power where at range three, you can advance a character short. Again, that goes right in there with sending our bruisers to where they need to be mm-hmm. on well, those points. It's, it's choose an enemy character, not... So we can't move our allied character, sadly. Oh, yep, you're right. Um, but we may have an option. We we may have an out of affiliation option that does that. That I will talk about in a second. Um, the other option, uh, the other thing on her card is a Moore's Kiss, where you spend three power, and if you're with choose an enemy character within one of this character, and move an asset or civilian token from that character onto your character. You get to take your enemy's toys. Yeah. Now, I will point out, none of our our uh, crises have civilians, but we did prioritize those assets. So yeah, that's because that's of right into that as well. Yeah, because of the cabal, uh, the Red Mayhem leadership, we were prioritizing those um, assets over the civilians. So how does that? Let me let me pull up Sin real quick. So I want to make sure I get the the interactions here. So roll a die for each objective token controlled by an allied character. Contest it. You don't have to control contest. it. You just have to contest it. So you have to have one of your allied characters within one of the token. But that's the objective token. So it's roll a die for each enemy character holding an asset within range two of any allied character. If it's a symbol they drop the asset whereas this one is move one asset token to a two enchantress yeah so you just steal it so if you fail the red mayhem no because the red mayhem happens automatically during the cleanup phase so a morris kiss needs to be activated Mm -hmm. during the activation yeah so if you fail to, well, now because that's not even a roll, is it? That just happens. Oh mm-hmm. God, it's it's good, but I will point out it 
is three energy. It's expensive. Mm -hmm. So the other suggestion, because we did talk about getting our beefy characters onto the points so we can trigger Red Mayhem, uh, I would point towards an out-of-affiliation option of Cyclops. Okay. Uh, Let me pull him up real quick. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, I'm thinking about it, and I'm Digging Enchantress, I don't think she's quite exactly what I would be looking for, although she does give us options. Mm-hmm. Let's take a look at him, though. Um, so Cyclops has a range four five-dice energy attack for a builder, and then for four cost, he has a seven-dice beam five energy attack. I did play with beams for the first time in our most recent game, and I really dig them. Mm-hmm. I think that they're great. Um, and then he has his three power activated ability called Field Leader, where he can choose another ally character within four and advance them short. And we within... want, and we we are already wanting to get our characters onto the points. We we care less about getting our opponents' characters off the points since we have the chance to do that anyway. We just really want to get our characters onto the point. Okay, so then what I'm kind of picturing there is if we take Cyclops, we park Shuri and Cyclops on the, the those closer target points, so those closer uh, secures mm-hmm. to our side, and from there they support the rest of our team. Because as we said with um, Shuri's upgrade abilities, that that can reach and interact with that secondary that second distance uh, secure point, for example, in the gamma waves. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm digging it. Mm -hmm. I I think I like the Cyclops field leader over the Enchantress only because I do like that idea of having them sitting on that back, that back point, not to mention with a beam five, like easily hits a significant portion of the board. And this leads into a really weird interaction. You ready? I'm not, but lay it on me. So, when you do a beam attack, if you if your template overlaps with one of your allied characters, they take one point of automatic damage. Okay. And that gives them energy, right? Uh, no, because it's not an enemy effect. It's not an enemy effect. Okay. But importantly... Sin has an ability called Heir to the Wicked, where if she's damaged by an allied or enemy effect, after the effect is resolved, if she is not dazed, she gains one power. Oh god, that is some awful use of pronouns in that sentence that you just laid down there. When Sin is damaged by an enemy or allied effect, after the effect is resolved, if it. Why would they use it at the end of that sentence? Because um, it's if it is not dazed, it gains one energy. What What are you doing? <laughs> so if sin is not dazed, sin gains one energy. Is that what that's trying yep. to say? Mm-hmm. That is A, hilarious, and B, a really good power sink for... Uh, in, I, or a, a power battery percent. I yeah. love it. Well, it means we don't mind putting her in the line of fire. 
Well, but that goes back to that for health. I mean, she's only getting three out of that on her fr- uh, front side before well, she flips, we aren't right? Go- we aren't going to be using uh, Cyclops that much, beam that much. That's fair. It is, what, four energy to yeah. use? So, mm-hmm. yeah, no, that's, I can dig it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So that okay. leaves us with three more character slots. So now, hmm. um, we had the question before of, do we want to go a secondary affiliation with Brotherhood? Um, and that is certainly possible, but if we do, we would want to get a third Brotherhood member into the list. Okay, so let's take a look at what that gives us. Are there any interesting characters there? Um, in fact, actually, before we do that, let me pause here for a second to update my list because I've not been keeping up. So we've got so far. Because I want to keep this list. Sure. Sin, which we're Death just leaving journey. as a blank spot. Yeah, we'll leave that as a blank. Let me get Sabretooth in there. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. Do they have a search feature on here? They do. Oh, God. That's awful. Sabretooth. Baron Zemo. And, the bees. and Cyclops. Baron Zemo. And also, just after this episode, I can just send you the assemble code. Um, Excellent. So I can send you a code, and then you see the cloud with the download arrow on it? Yep. If you click that, it will say, paste roster code here. I can just send you a roster code, and you can paste it there, and ta-da! You got the roster right there. I love it. All right. Um, let me pull out Brotherhood, and I'm ready to go. Yeah. All right. So there are only two other, well, three other options for Brotherhood right now. Um, you mm-hmm. have the two in affiliation members, and then we have the ability known as Rogue Agent, which Rogue Agent characters are considered uh, affiliated when determining affiliation, but aren't affiliated for Team Tactics cards. Okay. Now, uh, there there aren't many of those in the game, right? Those are going to be like your, uh, your hitmen. There are only two of them, and those are Crossbones and, uh, not Crossbones, uh, uh, Taskmaster and Winter Soldier. Right, okay. And then our two remaining uh, Brotherhood members are Toad and Magneto. Now, have, they've announced Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver, is yes. that right? Yes, they have, announced, that uh, yeah, they have announced Scarlet Witch, Quicksilver, and Juggernaut. But we have no actual like gameplay information on them yet, so they aren't in here. Gotcha, okay. I do want to point towards Toad, though, because I think he works best with our strategy. Let me pull him up here and take a look with you. I'm, I'm ready for this ride, because... Mm-hmm. I I've used Toad before, not to great very, very good effect, mm-hmm. um, but he I think does fit the motif that we've got of just like having all of the control over our our targets. Yeah, um, because he has uh, his big ability is this always on ability called prehensile tongue, which means he can interact with objectives from range two away rather than range one away. Which is very good 
um, gives you a lot more safety when picking up dangerous extracts, basically. I do remember that coming in a, in a lot of use in our game. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially because I think during that game, we were both playing Toad. Yeah, I think we were. All right. He's also got that additional movement on Hop. And that additional movement on Slippery as a reaction to your opponent attacking you. I mean, does that mean that we send Toad for that medium objective just for some early points? Mm-hmm. We definitely can. And with five on his front side, he's surprisingly resilient on his front side. Not to mention, he does give us that wall climb, so if we get a bad placement of board uh, obstacles, I like it. Mm-hmm. Okay, I can get behind Toad. And not to mention, he's also two-pointer, so yes. if we just need to fill some space, he is not a terrible option. And his spender spit acid applies the incinerate condition. And again, the incinerate, just because I constantly have to remind myself about these, is the reduction of defense dice. Yep. Which, I like it. I like it a lot. So that leaves us with two more characters to talk about. Hmm. Now, is there anyone that jumps out to you? I I know I've been doing a lot of suggesting, but I want to give you some room to talk. Okay, well, so then... One thing that I'm kind of seeing here, and I'm just gonna I'm gonna talk my way through this, and I'm gonna I'm gonna lean on you for some some support here. Yep. But as just an alternative build that we've got going on here, instead of leaning entirely on Red Mayhem and Sin as our affiliate leader, what what do we got going on if we use Mystique uh, Freedom Force? So just to remind myself, once per turn after an allied character interacts with an abstract objective, uh, after all effects are resolved, the allied character gains an energy. Additionally, allied characters may use the following ability, which is secure objective a token, place the token on this objective token. While this token is in play, you are securing it even if nobody is there. Right. And then it goes away if anybody contests it. Mm-hmm. So you basically get a phantom character onto an objective extraction token that will secure it if no enemy is there. Mm-hmm. So, again, looking at our support, what do we do with that? Do we leave that on our uh, on our objective tokens on our side of the board as we advance our our characters forward to secure the further away objectives that that is we can definitely do that or if they misposition and we can get onto their back objective or like they leave the back objective open we can just run by set that down and run off to a different point and force them to rotate back to their back objective or lose points so if they stretch too far out then we sneak past their line and and get those points i do like that mm-hmm. um what does that mean though for our characters. So that would so... make our core uh, Mystique, Sabertooth, and Toad. Yeah. Which is Do we need a... one more it's one a... more Brotherhood to complete that? 
so we can play it at lower point values um, because that would be a nine point core. So we can play up to 16 with that. So um, mm-hmm. we're sure end of four, um, which we have the four yeah. and Cyclops. Um, we could go with another rogue agent to play wider at lower point values, or we could play, or we could play this with the expectation that we're playing like freedom force at low point values and, and red mayhem at higher point values. And have that be that economy of the list. Or we can bring in, switch out like a five or six heavy hitter that we can use for those medium point values to adjunct our list. So of those, like, hmm. Okay, so sorry. Let me follow your math here. We've got three, seven, nine from our Brotherhood members. An additional three from Shuri, so that's 12. Then if we look at Cyclops, that's four. So I feel like the weak point there, or not necessarily a weak point, but the, the hole that we've got there, is there another four-point character that pairs well with the Mystic, Sabretooth, Toad, and Shuri loadout? So what do we got going on among those four characters? So just as a general strategy, what I'm kind of looking at here is and you you correct me if my my thinking is a little off here just in general game strategy but if i were playing this in my kind of perfect world scenarios here i would drop one of our 15 point oh no i'd have to be 16 Ooh, we don't have a 16.1 so maybe we look at a three point character and think of this as possibly going if we choose either Wakandan Herbs or Gamma Wave Sweep across the Midwest. Mm-hmm. Those are both 15-point missions. Yeah. Um, we drop... Let me look at the build for those crises, because, again, just none of these stick in my head for whatever reason. So we've mm-hmm. got Gamma, which is down the middle. Yeah. Okay. And that one's and then we've a got... very fighty scenario. And then we got Wakandan Herb, which herbs. is the capture the flag scenario. Okay, so Freedom Force doesn't really help us with uh, Capture the Flag, does it? Although that's a Extract, so it's not coming into play for ex- Extracts anyway. Because this is for specifically... Oh no, it is for Extract. Uh, you get the one power rebate on Extracts. Right. And then the interact is for specifically for secures because mm-hmm. that's where you're you're contesting things. Is yeah. that right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So the one point rebate on extract. So if we pick up our herb or we drop it off, we get a power. Is that right? Am I reading that right? When when you pick it up, you gain a power. You you don't you keep a hold you of the herb right. when you're dropping it off. Um, but of importance, that does change the math on a Baron Zemo. Oh. So walk with me. Okay. Uh, you can, because of the way that it's worded, you can do one move action put on with the hub. Okay. So you can run Zemo out there, pick up the hub, and then next turn you can, uh, you'll have two power at the start of the next turn. So you can run across and get in to range two, uh, range three of an opponent character 
and then pay the two power to Steel Rush and get another medium advance on top of the long advance you already did. Because it's not a move action, it's an advance off of a attack action. It does not run into the um, movement cap of Wakanda Nope. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. But again, that doesn't really solve our problem then if we look at Baron Zemo or Mystique, Baron Zemo, Sabretooth, Toad, and Shuri as our 15-point loadout. Mm-hmm. Right? Because that'd be 7... 12 15 i mean that is i think that's a solid team right there yeah um and then we leave behind crossbones cyclops and sin so then i mean at this point if that's our 15 point loadout we look at i still think maybe then looking at another four point character to give us a little bit of uh versatility Mm mm-hmm yeah, that is certainly an option. We have two more character slots. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So we can definitely invest one into another four. Okay. So then who who could that be? We Going this route, we don't necessarily need another Brotherhood member. Mm-hmm. Or another Cabal member. So we've, we've kind of got the luxury of being able to pick from just about anyone right yes we do enjoy we do prefer people with high mobility and people with high tankiness right so okay having not looked at this character i'm going to put something out there Mm -hmm. does that mean that this list is open to the possibility of a third faction so i'm thinking and again having not looked at him is there a room in this list for a Black Panther leadership? That would make things really, really tight. Okay. Um, it, I'm not saying it's wrong, and it's certainly an option, but it would make things really tight because we would have to get a third Wakandan in as that final slot. Right. Well, and I think the important, th- the, the benefit that we would get out of that would be the Wakandan... Uh, affiliation bonus is that right yeah and so, wakandan tactics cards and we have and that would be a third affiliation that likes its tactic cards which would oh make God, our tactic had not even yeah i'm not I saying even considered it that that is definitely a route we could go i'm not sure it's the right route for what we're talking about and i think especially since I... this is a show about finding new homes for characters, and Shuri's home in Wakanda is very established. That's fair. That's fair. That's a good point. Let's let's expand it out here then. Um, okay. So high mobility then. High mobility, high tankiness. May I point you in the direction of one Daredevil? Okay, so let's take a look here. We've got a long movement, which right off the bat does meet one of our, our criterias, I think, which is that that we can just get them get Daredevil where we need them to be. Mm-hmm. Um, we do add blanks to our defense rolls when defending against uh, physical or energy. Mm-hmm. I like that. 
I think would that make Daredevil one of our most uh, defensive characters in this list? It, it certainly is a possibility. Um, we we do have some very tanky characters so far in this list. He he is threes across the board, so he's kind of on par with a lot of our other characters. Mm-hmm. And he um, he is only and... five health, but he gets a lot of tankiness from adding those blanks in because that changes his defense dice from a three out of five chance to a five, uh, sorry three out of eight chance to a five out of eight chance. Mm-hmm. And then he has the retaliate in the man without fear, mm-hmm. uh, which gives him a strike after a, it's not even a successful attack. Like he could be completely missed and still use man without fear. Right. Yep. Uh huh. So, and I mean, yeah, I think he has this yeah. attack called devil's deliverance. Ooh, five energy. Uh, yeah, five power, area two, starts at two dice. But you add two dice for each non-dazed enemy character within two of this character when the attack is chosen. Mm-hmm. So you can start to build at, at three characters, that is eight dice against three characters. That's 24 dice you're rolling. So, okay, we would drop this onto that contested marker that has our, or not even contested, the the target that has our most enemy uh, mm-hmm. units. Yes. Okay. And then, after the attack is resolved, uh, the tar- uh, each character is pushed away short. That is some solid control. However, I will point out, at five power costs, that is our single most expensive attack on the board in this list. Um, Yes, but he also has some control in his baton hook as well, which is free. Yeah. But, and again, I'm just thinking this through here, before we get into baton hook, Man Without Fear gives us a free strike after an attack is resolved against Daredevil and just built into strike is that, you know, get energy for every damage dealt, mm-hmm. which can then be used to power that deliverance. I, I'm digging it so far. So tell me about Baton Hook. Uh, Baton Hook is range four, four dice physical. Uh, and on a wild, it pushes the character, a uh, size two or less character towards you. So it brings your enemy closer. But most importantly, it ignores line of sight and cover. It it does. Okay. Ooh, so explain how, because I, I get the cover is the uh, extra defense dice. Is that right? Yes. So how does line of sight come into that? Does that let Daredevil use his baton hook through obstacles that would otherwise prevent him from seeing a target? Yes. Am I thinking about that correctly? Yes, exactly. You can do it through buildings. I mean, I didn't realize that Daredevil was magic, but (laughs) that's cool. (laughs) Yes. And then he has one change on his... He has a couple changes on his flip side. One, he goes up to six health rather than five health. Um, and mm-hmm. he loses Man Without Fear and just and gains Devil uh, Devil of Hell's Kitchen, um, which is 
just instead of being a reactive superpower to give him an extra attack, it's an active superpower to give him an extra attack. So I like it. He can get a sword attack on his own turn rather than getting an extra attack on his opponent's turn. And it actually gives you a little bit of versatility in there because specifically Devil of Hell's Kitchen lets you use a zero-cost attack, which is either strike, which will generate more energy and potentially give a, an enemy stun, which I think is the... Oh, God, now i got to remind myself so which it's, one's done. It's nicknamed Bad Wi-Fi. The one power, yeah. yeah. Um, for for people at home that don't know, stun is a condition where any singular instance of power gained is capped at one power. Yeah, like I I don't think I've played enough games to really know how bad stun can be, mm-hmm. but it always just feels like eh at least in my experience. So I think the energy generation on strike is actually what I would be more interested in. Yeah. So with this build. It's, it's but, stun, stun becomes noticeable on characters who inherently gain more than one power during the power phase. Sure. And I've I've not yet really played with any of those. Like uh, I think that's uh, the Asgardians. The Asgardians. Hulk gets extra power gain. She-Hulk gets extra power gain. Magneto gets around it because of his how his is worded. Um, Cable gets extra power gain. Mm-hmm. But uh, again, I think stun is not really the prize for mm-hmm. the strike attack, especially since it only comes into effect on a wild um but then with devils of hell devil of hell kitchen you can also use baton hook to reposition the board so yeah. i i think i like the control that daredevil brings not to mention this is going to be another ranged character so similar to cyclops except i feel like we could actually position daredevil farther afield than yeah. I would position Cyclops. He can be much more aggressive than Cyclops. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the final suggestion I have for our final spot on the list is another new character, though he is in a symbol. Um, and he is a five-coster, which is the new Amazing Spider-Man. Okay, so let's take a look at Mr. Peter Parker. Um... We've got a five uh, threat. That's that's going to be... Uh, hmm. Okay, we'll talk about that in just a moment. Because with a five threat, I'm curious as to where you see him fitting into this team. It that is, is... Simplistically, it means we can play Mystique leadership up to 17 rather than up to 16. And we have some 17 okay, scenarios. Sure. Yes, we do. Yeah, we've actually got three, which, okay, okay, I'm with you on that. Mm-hmm. Now, I will just point out, as somebody who is just getting into this game, I think that the Amazing Spider-Man Peter Parker has the most text of any character <laughs> I've seen in this game. Okay, let's break this down real quick here. So we've got a six health, long ra- or long movement, uh, four, four, three. Yeah. Dang. Um, super or spider strike is going to be a zero energy attack. Um, throws five at range three. After this attack is resolved, gain uh, 
energy, and then for a what is that? That's a wild and a skull. It looks uh, like wild and a crit. Wild and a crit. Choose another enemy character within range two of this target. Uh, the target character. Uh, so, so target so, character is who okay. you are targeting with the attack. So choose another right. enemy character within two of the character you attacked. <laughs> Those two targets suffer collision. Oh, I love it. Oh, it's so it's such a classic Spider-Man move, right? Yeah. Just like you, you web the two people together and watch them bonk heads. Oh, mm-hmm. it's classic. I love it. Um, and with our the rerolls that we're bringing with Shuri, like we're once again increasing our chances of getting those special special actions. So if you you if you roll that wild and you're missing the crit, or in a more ideal situation, you roll the crit and you're looking for your wilds. And reroll is going to help you get that. That's nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, whatever Spider can is going to be his five energy attack. Throws eight dice at range two. After the attack is resolved, Spider-Man can advance M. I like it. Again, helping him get uh, aggressively forward. And then on a wild, we've got catch after this attack is resolved. Choose an interactive terrain feature of size two or less within range three of Spider-Man to destroy. The target character suffers... Oh, wait. Did I read that right? Yes. So this is a little bit confusing, but you are from range three away from Spider-Man. You destroy a size two or less terrain. And then the character you attacked... The target character. Right. uh, suffers uh, Suffers a collision with the terrain you destroyed. Oh my god, so he's just all about throwing things at other things. Which, I will say, the first time we played this, uh, I I really enjoyed just throwing shit at you. It was great. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so then we've got um, Web Swing, which is the, the, the extra movement, which just places Spider-Man within range 3 of his current position. And then it also gives you two additional dice on Spider-Strike. Like that. Woody Banter. Oh my god, he's got a power called Woody Woody Banter. I think we should include the Amazing Spider-Man just because he's so thematically amazing. It's great. Uh, When the enemy character within range 3 of this character is attacking an allied character, Spider-Man may use the superpower to uh, during the modified dice step of the attack, you may re-roll die. So, uh, to explain this further, uh, during the modify opponent's dice roll step, which is the last dice roll step in. Okay, let's go through dice roll steps. You ready? You okay, roll your I'm dice. Ready. Yeah. Then you add a number of dice equal to your number of crits and roll them. Yeah. And then the attacking player re-rolls as, uh, any of their dice. Uh, defending okay. character player re-rolls any of their dice. And then the attacking character re-rolls any of the opponent's dice they can. And then the defending character re-rolls any of the attacking dice, uh, opponent's attacking dice. Okay. So, this is our, our defensive ability to re-roll enemy dice. Yeah, one of our enemy. Yeah, one of our enemies attack dice during an attack. And this is the very last step in the dice process, so they don't, if you manage to re-roll it into a, a non-successful dice roll from a success, they don't have a chance to re-roll it afterwards. Okay, I like that. Uh, and that, again, goes 
back to our earlier discussion about sins, mediocre defenses and for health. So if we've got a just completely flubbed defensive role on sin, I mean, range three, that's, is range three going to be quite far enough to affect a... Depends on uh, positioning. Okay. I'm trying to think if we've got our Spider-Man at one of the objectives, can he reach another one? And I'm thinking with range three, he probably can't. It, it depends on the objective, because the distance between two objectives on, say, a D-map is much longer than between two objectives on, say, a B-map or an mm-hmm. E-map. That makes sense? It does. What would be that, that closest range, though? Because even on a... On an E-map, close together. on an E-map, if Amazing Spider-Man is sitting at, like, say, the back of the middle point, and Sin is sitting at the front of the back point, you can definitely make that range. Okay, okay, and then vice versa. If you if we're say playing Gamma uh, Shelters, if Spider-Man's sitting at the front of the middle point, and I don't know why she would be there, but Sin was all the way up at the far, or even somebody like Sabretooth or Crossbones was up at the back, back of the third. Yeah, of my opponent's point. Used as well. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I, I dig it. Um, and then, of course, I just got to the bottom of this card, Mastered Spider Sense. You may reroll defense and dodge dice. Any just number. Any number of them. What the hell? No cost, always active. Yeah. Like, I'm definitely feeling the five threat from the amazing Spider-Man. Yeah. I I think he I think he's inclusion mostly because like now I kinda want to make a roster out of the amazing Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Uh I really want to do I know it's I know it's against the rules, but I really want to do just a cross universe all the all the Spider-Man. Yeah, you can't do the two Peter Parkers together. But um, you I can do everyone else. Fun. <laughs> yes, um, and I will note there is a slight change to Woody Banter on his backside, where he can now use it on himself. <clears throat> Excellent. So when someone attacks him with an attack, yeah. he can use Woody Banter there too, on I his backside. It. Okay. And he's also six on the backside. So yeah, I think that gives yeah. us a full team. I think it does. I think it does. Except we still have to talk tactics cards. Let's... Okay, so this is... I'm just going to be upfront about this. This is, I think, where I really fall apart at roster building. There are 104 tactics cards, and they are vastly, vastly different. So... I think this is where I really fall apart with the the roster building, just because like I, as a new player, so overwhelmed by options, mm-hmm. and every game that I've played of this so far, I have I think maybe used three yeah. tactics. So this is where I think I'm gonna be even more crutch using you as a crutch than we have so far (laughs) which oh man okay um but i i think since we can only take what is two of the restricted cards yes that 
probably the best place to start? Mm-hmm. Question mark? Yes. Um, and I, I have my, I, I kind of want to go for the easy answers on the restricted cards of the classic two-card combo of Med Pack and Brace for Impact. So for those that don't know, Med Pack is any character doing a character's activation may pay two power um, and then heal three damage off of a non-dazed character within three of them, including themselves. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So easy, and, cheap like, healing. We- yeah, and we've said that we, we really aren't going to have energy problems, so mm-hmm. we we're definitely be able to pay for it. I think the only concern that I would have there, well, I'm looking back over our characters. The only one that really has that four health is going to be Sin. Everybody else is actually pretty pretty beefy. Well, and so, she flips over to six health on her backside. Mm-hmm. So really, her front side is just a a speed bump on her way to actually having some health. Yeah. I like it. I like it. And then Brace for Impact is when one or more allied characters would suffer a collision. They each may spend one, and then they do not, and then each character who spent power does not suffer damage from the collision. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it yeah. just and means... again, I, I, I think those are both generally good. They'll generally happen within the course of a game. Yeah, I can dig it. Cool. So we got our two restricted cards. Now the next thing I want to point out is our affiliated tactics cards. Um, and so let's start with the Cabal, who only have two affiliated tactics cards as of the recording of this podcast. Uh, and one of them we cannot play because one of them requires Red Skull. So let's look at the other one, which I think we might want to use. And it's called Dark Rain. It's an active card, so it must be played during our turn. And any Cabal member may spend three power and then choose an enemy character. Allied Cabal characters may reroll any number of dice when attacking this character until the end of the round. So hmm. it's just for when you really need to kill someone, you can spend three power and then everyone can throw all their attacks and get a bunch of rerolls out of it. I, I mean, that... I think that does everything we want it to do, right? Because mm-hmm. that's just that's just all the dice. Yeah. I I think we dig it. I, I think we I think we definitely take that one. Mm-hmm. Now on the other end, the Brotherhood have a lot more, uh, have act- uh have have some tactics cards as well. Um. So we have Asteroid M, or as it's known in uh. Nicknamed in the community Brothership. Um, it's an active card. Two Brotherhood of Mutant characters may both spend two power. Place one of the two characters who is not holding an objective token within one of the other character. So it basically allows you to teleport across the board between Brotherhood characters. So what I'm seeing with that is we, like we discussed earlier, if we go Mystic as our, our uh, leader... Uh, Mystique. We go uh, Mystique, Sabretooth, Toad uh, as our core Brotherhood members there. We send Toad aggressively forward during the early game to score some early points, and then Asteroid M to have Sabretooth teleport up there to be a tank for him. Yeah, definitely can do that. I like it. Yeah, and then the other option is uh, is, is the Book of Truth, which when an allied Brotherhood of Mutant characters is attacking or defending, at the end of the modified dice step, 
which is the last thing. So this is after we modify our opponent's dice. Uh, yeah. You may pay this card. You may pay two spells to spend uh, play this card. We will all of their attack or defense dice, including school results. So this is a after all of our rerolls, everything is failed. Let's try it one last time. Okay, I think that fits. I mean, with our Brotherhood build, where else are we getting rerolls from? I mean, we've got we've got the upgrade from Shuri. Mm-hmm. I, I none of them in none of them have like built-in rerolls, yeah. right? I don't think we want both of them in the list, and I think Asteroid M is the one we prefer. I think so, just because if we're going Mystique as our leader, our, our upgrades are coming from Shuri, so mm-hmm. we don't mm-hmm. say that. But then again, upgrade or. Uh, Rerolls are so good. But again, this is where I fail, because in a game about securing objectives and scoring the VP, this game is about scoring VP, so positioning is everything. I'm just going to keep telling myself that. That is my mantra. Mm-hmm. So I think you are right on Ashoidem. Yeah, so now we get into character-specific cards. And there are two that I want to bring up for two characters that are in both of our, who are going to be in either side of our affiliation list, both on the Cabal and on the Brotherhood side. Now, before you, before you give us those, I'd want to ask, since Sin is not out yet, do we know if she's getting any character specific tactics? Uh, We, we're pretty sure she will be getting either a character specific or a new, new cabal tactic card, but we had not we have not seen them yet. Okay, okay. So then, then this is all subject to change, as yes. is every list. But mm-hmm. I did want to I did want to find that out. Okay, so I'm thinking, if I had to guess, actually, does Shuri have one? Uh, yes, but it is Wakanda affiliated. Ah, okay. Okay, lay it on me. If I had to guess, I'm going to say Mystique or Crossbones. Uh, Mystique has one. It's called Deception. It is a free card. I like free. Uh, That's active. Uh, Choose an enemy character within four of this character. If there are no other non-dazed enemy characters within two of the chosen character, you may advance that character its speed towards this character. Oh god, this is yeah, this is the alluring card, isn't it? Yep. The, the come hither. Mm-hmm. Ooh, that is. You use that on me, and it was incredibly rude because then. I oh god, what was it? I think you used it on my saber tooth or something, and then you dropped the Freedom Force interact token yeah. on the objective that he lists just to get like a round of free points. Yeah. Like you think about doing that during a gamma wave sweep on that back row to just get a single round of three points. It's massive. So yeah. good. Mm-hmm. So good. So yeah, I think that's in there. Okay. Um, the other one that I want to point out is for Sabretooth, and it's called Exceptional Healing. Um, and it's when an allied character with healing factor, which Sabretooth has, uh, 
would be damaged by an enemy effect, you may spend 3 power to play this card. Reduce the amount of damage suffered to 1. And then he just healing factors that 1 damage. Yep. That's pretty good, especially for our tank. I mean, that is is almost always going to come into play when yeah. Sabretooth is on the board. And if I remember, we're, we included Sabretooth in both the Brotherhood and the Cabal build, right? Because yep. Cabal, yep. we were looking at Sin, Mystique, Sabretooth, Crossbones, right there. That's 13 points. Yeah. So for our higher points, then, we can do those three, uh, those four, a Shuri, and like brings a, us to 16. Yeah. And then we have our range from our two-point Toad for our 18-point game all the way up to our four-point Cyclops or um, Daredevil. Daredevil for our 20-point games. Okay. And that's six wide. I like it. So that makes sense. That that makes a lot of sense to bring that, especially just because in either in either build we're looking at both uh, Mystique and Sabretooth. So when picking our tactics cards, those are always going to be available options. Yes. I like it. Mm -hmm. um, so we have um, two last spots, and I want to suggest two unaffiliated cards. Okay. Um, the first one is a card called Battle Lust. So it's a reactive card that you play at the end of a move uh, made by an allied character. Uh, the moving characters may spend power equal to its size. For most of our characters, that will be size 2. We have one size 3 character in Sabretooth, but everybody else, if I remember correctly, is size 2. Uh, yes, you are correct. Then, the next attack made by the moving character, this activation, adds dice equal to its size. So, adding two dice to an attack. If the attack deals damage, the attack uh, after the attack is resolved, push the character away short. You know, my my only concern with that is at this point in time, we've with especially with our, our primary loadout with the Sin as our Cabal leader, we've got so much control. Are we needing to use a tactics? card specifically for more control that is a fair and the only reason i the only reason i ask is in the one thing i'm kind of wondering here if we're looking at maximizing the lots of small pockets of damage mm -hmm. are there any other ways that we can maximize that because I, I do kind of want to go back and so far within the tactics cards that we've we've picked out here the one thing i'm not seeing is something that goes into that build that where we were talking about maximizing the mm -hmm. effects of our attacks so cool. are there any reroll tactics that you think might go into this not a reroll tactic but something i do think will help us is a card called marked for death Okay. So two allied characters within five of the same enemy character may spend one each. So it's real cheap. Mm -hmm. This round, the enemy character loses and cannot gain stealth. Its speed becomes short, and it cannot, cannot modify or reroll defense dice. Oh, that is so rude. Yes, I like it. And again, because at that point, we're waiting for 
our enemy to well i guess we would have to do this before they roll their defense wouldn't we yeah but even still like but we can do it at the very beginning of our turn and get six or seven attacks with our attack compression into that same character without needing um without really being hurt by with the benefit of not having them re-roll dice i like it yeah, I, I think I, I really like that one. So then that gives us one more. Mm -hmm. I think Battle Lust is not a terrible option. Yes. Um, I'm just curious if there's anything else we can do to really make those. I mean, because save for okay, Crossbones and Sabretooth, both Mystique, Shuri, and Sin aren't going to be hyper effective against uh good defense rolls mm -hmm. so is there any way that we can make that more painful on those attacks i'm not sure i have a different style of suggestion though. okay um, yeah. because we are talking about max maximizing red mayhem which is a effect that wants us to be on the point yes so, let me introduce Psychic Shielding Device. Any character may spend 1 to 5 power to play this card. This round, while within X of this character, X equaling the power spent, when, uh, when allied characters are targeted by Mystic attacks, they add 1 dice to their defense dice. And allied characters cannot be advanced or pushed by the effects of enemy Mystic attacks or enemy superpowers. Ooh, so we get to stay where we want to be. Yes. And aren't going to be pushed off our objectives. Mm -hmm. There are some ways around active. it. Yeah. This this is effective against superpower pushes, not attack pushes for the most part. Mystic attack pushes, yes. Um, but it's also eff effective against Enchantress, who is a big player in the meta right now. And the Mind Stone, which is also comes up pretty regularly in the meta. Mm -hmm, mm hmm I think I like it. The only... So let me think this through. Who would we have using that? So Shuri's going to be at the backfield. So if we're using it from Shuri, we're looking at spending four to five energy on it mm -hmm. just to, to really hit as many of our characters as possible. Maybe we can get away with a three energy. Yeah. Um... Crossbones and Sabretooth are probably going to want their energy for their attacks. I think that then leaves Sin and Mystique, who are probably our midfield characters. Mm -hmm. So I think with, between Mystique, Shuri, and Sin, that gives us a lot of characters to use this. None of them are very energy-hungry, so they can spend, I'd say at minimum three energy to maximize that defense. I, I like it. Mm -hmm. And then the other option I want to run past you is a card called Bitter Rivals. Um, any character may spend three power to play this card. You choose an enemy character until end of this round. Other enemy characters within three of the chosen character will one less dice on attack and defense. Spend three energy, choose an enemy character until the end of the round. Other characters within range three 
of that enemy character roll one less attack and defense. So if we choose an enemy character on the mid-range, it doesn't affect the chosen character. But it affects everyone with them. I mean, I do like how that pairs with um, Mart for Death. And because then... Yeah. We can definitely combo those two together to make sure they can only move short. And then um, they give this little bubble of, of uh, bad stuff. Well, I'm not even thinking about targeting those same. So let's say our, our opponent has two characters on the... Uh, a midfield objective, right? Mm -hmm. So we target one of them with bitter rivals. Yep. And then target the other for marked for death. Suddenly that that character is now the the second target that has been marked for death rolls one less die on defense, cannot reroll those defense dice and also can only move short, which won't get them out of the bitter rivals range. It it'll if, it'll make it hard. It'll make it hard. And we have Shuri on our team, which means if, if they try and move the person we have targeted with better rivals away, we can push them back into their uh, people. I like it. Uh, so then that begs the question. I think of those that are recommended, that leaves us between the PSD and the bitter rivals, right? Mm -hmm. I, I think I, I like battle, battle lust. I, uh... I think as too much control. Fair. There are, there are players in this game who will say there's not enough. There's never too much control, but that is fair. fair. That's fair. I mean, again, in a game about scoring objectives, score the objectives. Mm -hmm. Do the do the thing. Um, hmm. I mean. The the part of me that just wants to punch my enemy says take bitter rivals and just make make bitter rivals and mark for death really hurt their midfield. Mm -hmm. I think psychic shielding is uh, it's just so specific mm. on who who is coming right now uh, in the meta because if say enchantress or characters with that. Uh, mystic push. Like I could see that being really strong against a specific meta, mm -hmm. but again, as soon as it the meta moves away from uh, mystics and pushing, I can see that weakening. Mm -hmm. I think for just my sake, I'm gonna say I'm gonna choose bitter rivals for this list. Cool, and because now have... I'm really excited about bitter rivals and mark for death. I the hell out of that combo. Mm -hmm. And now we have a completed list. All right. Um, so I'm excited about this. Yeah, me too. So for those of you at home, our list is Shuri, Sin, Crossbones, Mystique, Sabretooth, Baron Zemo, Cyclops, Toad, Daredevil, and Amazing Spider-Man. Then for our tactics cards, Medpack, Blaze for Impact, Dark Rain, Asteroid M, Deception, Exceptional Healing, Mark for Death, and Bitter Rivals. And then for Crisises, uh, fear grips the world as worthy terrorized cities. Myst uh, mystic, mystic Wakandan hub, fact or fiction. The Montesi formula found. Riot spark over extremist 3.0. 
Gamma Wave sweeps across the Midwest, and Infinity Formula goes missing. <sighs> Thank you very much for coming on, Codap. Absolutely. This was uh, this was a lot more a lot more brain burnery than I uh, initially thought it would be. Like just sitting down and looking at all of the aspects of creating a roster in this game is such a game unto itself it really gets me excited to get back into skirmish games so mm -hmm. i'm looking forward to bringing this deck against you and uh anybody else out there who wants to uh to challenge me i'm ready uh where now can people find you tactics where, where uh, can people find you if they want to challenge you oh man i'm i'm all over the place right now um on my channel of course over on twitch codab games uh, Tuesdays and Sundays are going to be the primary days that I stream, although I will also do periodic streaming throughout the week. Over on the Ascent of Board Games, we release a once-month uh, podcast on all of the platforms where you find pad podcasts, where we talk about games both old and new. And on Monday nights, you can find me on yet another stream, um, Feats and Fables, where we play a actual play uh, stream of D&D, 5th edition. Um, you can see me playing Ross, the Barbarian Ranger Lizard Folk, who is uh, currently working for the Foresters of Aglarond, fighting against the evil wizards of Thay. Um, all of that is to say I'm a giant nerd, y'all. Come nerd out with me. Very nice. And if you want to find me, I am Lexa White on all the MCP discords and Gypt on all the non-MCP discords, including Codab's own discord. Yeah. I'm, I'm so many places I can't even remember all of them. I will <laughs> say, though, I'm, I'm not hyperactive on most of the, uh, the social networking uh, platforms like Facebook and Twitter. Like, I'm, I'm going for a teaching certification program right now. I just don't have time in my life for all these things. <laughs> Um, and then if you want to hear me talk about TV, I'm at ggypt.tumblr.com. I'm currently covering The Falcon and the Winter Soldier and The Irregulars. Um, I, I love one of those and do not like the other one, and you'll have to read to find out. And then oh, listen up for a bonus episode potentially coming out as we discussed uh, both both the, the Marvel TV things that are out in the universe right now, mm -hmm. WandaVision and uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier. Yeah. Um, and then if... Uh, as we mentioned earlier, I am also a member of Codab Games' stream, so come watch us talk about game design Sunday mornings. Yeah, and hopefully, fingers crossed, we will have some more exciting news on that front in the near future as well, so yeah. stay tuned. So, uh, thank you very much for coming on, Codab. This was absolutely so much fun. I, I think this was definitely what I needed at this point, because... Again, I, I was really struggling with the roster building in this game. Just anything outside of, well, Shuri is part of Wakanda, so I'm just going to go Black Panther, Shuri, and uh, done. I, I win? Can I win now? <laughs> Very fair. Um, so, yes, I'm glad you enjoyed yourself, and to everybody, keep experimenting. Keep experimenting.